Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very, very special edition of Comedy on Edge, the podcast. As some of you may know, the Just for Laughs Festival is hitting Sydney in the end of October, and we've managed to score a very special guest, Mr. Ed Byrne. We had a chat with Ed. Now, Ed didn't fly in for the press conference, he's just flying in for the for the festival, so we had to talk to him on the phone, so... This is a great podcast. Ed is a very funny guy, but you may notice our sound levels aren't the greatest and there's a little bit of a pause here and there. That's just due to the connection. It's amazing what you can do with an iPhone, a Zoom recorder and a bit of masking tape. Enough from me. Enjoy the show. with a parent. That's my problem. And I like to think of myself as quite good in an argument, you know, quick with a line and stuff. Like I had a guy say to me one time, said, if you look up stupid in the dictionary, there's a picture of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not the one who had to look up stupid in the dictionary. <laughs> my dictionary doesn't have pictures, you moron. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Comedy on Edge, the podcast, coming to you live from Edge HQ. Today I'm joined by Dave Keishan and special guest all the way from the other side of the world. He's coming out for the Just for Laughs tour, playing at the Sydney Opera House and in Melbourne as well. Ed Byrne. Ed, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. Hey, Pleasure to be on the Edge podcast. That's lovely to <laughs> what have you. Now, whereabouts in the world are you at the moment? Why, where did you get the name? Why did you call yourself The Edge then? Oh, Comedy on the Edge started as a little comedy room on the edge of the city of Sydney. And yeah, we just, for marketing purposes, we just kept it there. So, yeah. so it's a comedy night. Yeah, it's a comedy night. That also has a podcast. Yeah, we've just evolved into the podcast because we realise we can get 200 people to listen to a podcast as opposed to, you know, the 60 people that turn up at the show. So, you know, we got, we got, we're expanding one bit by bit. That's very nice. So there was no connection whatsoever to the to the YouTube guitarist then. No, 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 not at all. And for legal purposes, absolutely not, because we know, you know, you two, they will sue us. Except my name is Dave as well. Oh, see, that's. I think that's too much of a coincidence. <laughs> well, you never know. You know, just just for that, we better give a couple of dollars to the starving Africans to just appease Bone. <laughs> that might help him out. So where about where are you at the moment, Ed? Where am I at the moment? I am in my spare bedroom in my house, which is in Essex, about an hour and a half north of London. So he's not in Ireland after all. I told you we're in Ireland, so... I, was I am not in Ireland. I was brought in to help translate just in case. How, you, you phoned me. You should know I'm not in Ireland. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, we just got the... No, we, we're not, we just see all these little big numbers. We, we, we thought you were in Ireland. The reason Dave's here is he thought you might be in Dublin, and it's cheaper to call you than... Um, we were asking if you could go and say g'day to his mum for him, but, you know, we figured, you know, you probably know her. She's in Ireland too. Yeah, no, I'm afraid I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a hop across the Irish Sea. I live in Britain. I've lived in Britain for more than half my life. I've, I've lived in Britain for 22 years. I left when I was 18. So there, if you work that out, you'll know that I am 40. Ah, is, uh, Dave just wrote down 32, so he's a little bit off with the maths. <laughs> Dave's really not firing on all cylinders today at all, is he? No, no, no. Well, yeah, but I think it's his penance that he's got to pay for this phone call. So, you know, it's, he's going to have to lift his game soon or he'll be broke. 
So yeah, Ed, I'm, uh, I'm actually of a similar uh, stock of you. I, I started off in Dublin uh, and left when I was 22 and I've been living in Australia for ever since. So uh, how, how do you find like uh, that affects your kind of your comic sensibility, kind of the stranger in a strange land? That's been a big help. And I remember first going to Australia, certainly it was a massive difference uh, compared to Compared to being in England, where in England you're just another mick off the boat, in Australia, uh, I was a mystical stranger from a far-off land, uh, which you kind of you hit the ground running. Because the Australians have a bit more of an attitude uh, in the assumption that, well, he's come all this way. People just figure, you're not gonna, even if they've never heard of you, the fact that you've come all, you wouldn't come all this way just to die in your arse, would you? You know? You, you 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 must be at least of a competent level of stand up. And you've uh, so they kind of you've commented on, on in, in your material before about like how uh, uh, Australian audiences are a little bit different. Um, yeah, well, the, w- w- Australian audience for, for for some reason a lot of stuff that I would do in Britain that then wouldn't work that well in Ireland also didn't work that well in Australia, which is curious. Um, so they're more like Irish audiences than they are like British audiences. That was one thing that uh, I, I noticed. But also uh, doing stand-up comedy is a great way to, to learn about a country and learn about uh, the attitude that, that people have. When you find yourself rewriting material to suit, uh, you know, uh, uh, a, a country, you, you, you learn about that country. For instance, when I first came out, I had a routine about students, so slagging off students. And when I got to Australia... Just found that, that 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 attitude towards students of being lazy, layabout leeches on the state, just wasn't as prevalent as it is in Britain. You know, just little things like that. People have a bit more of a oh, he's going to college, yeah, on him, on him. You know, whereas you know, compared to the the British attitude. Or another example, I had a routine where I would do a particularly a deliberately poor joke about my PlayStation. And then afterwards I go, I know that joke wasn't particularly funny, uh, but now that I've mentioned my PlayStation in my act, it makes the purchase of it tax deductible. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and now we get a nice laugh and I go, I now like to tell you some jokes about a holiday I went on recently to Barbados. And that that worked reasonably well in Britain, but I would do that joke in Australia and it would rip because as as I learned from doing that joke, Australians just have this very healthy anti-establishment anti-authoritarian sort of streak uh, that maybe you wouldn't notice if you were coming over to do a different job or just coming over on holiday. So it's really, doing stand-up is a great way to learn, I find, about about what people are like in a different country. So with, with regards to that, Joe, in the 70s, have you ever, do you know the Crocodile Dundee movie? Oh, yes. Yes, I'm familiar. Yeah. With Hogan. Crocodile Dundee. Paul Hogan, the star of that, he was a, com- a sketch comedian and he appeared on TV in the 70s and he advised them... We had the Paul Hogan show oh, yeah, over here. Oh, well, the episode, he said that to get your tax return back quicker, if you slip $10 into the envelope, the tax man will get it to you quicker. The tax department had to appear on TV to tell people to stop t- sending in $10 notes because people believed him. And the, the whole... Like, <laughs> Which is a federal offence to bribe an official, so they had to sort of waive that because of the Paul's, you know, practical joke. Well, I, I mean, I remember just watching TV, and I can't even remember what was being referred to, what what the guy was even talking about. But he made a reference to GST, and it was like it, it, it was a proper sort of, sort of straight-laced presenter type who just referred to. 
GST as government stupidity tax in a way that you just wouldn't see somebody make, you know, refer to a tax like that on, on, on British or Irish TV with, with quite such a level of disdain for, for the government, you know. Yeah, well, I think it's our national hero is Ned Kelly, who's effectively a cop. Yes, there's definitely, they're, they're all linked. We love the bad boys. Now, speak. When you move, you mentioned earlier, you moved to London. Chopper, for God's chopper, sake. Chopper, yes. Actually, uh, one word, people. Chopper. I've I've actually met the real life chopper. He is a scary, scary individual. He's, you know, props to Heath Franklin who does his chopper impression. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I I I know Heath Franklin. And that's as close as I want to get. Yeah, no, yeah, you're really not missing much with the real chop, oh, chop chop, as he likes to be known as. Now, you mentioned when you moved to London, you at one stage shared a flat with Ross Noble? Yeah, yeah, we lived together for, geez, two and a half years we lived together, yeah. Now, I understand there was a bit of a rat problem in the flat. Yeah, we managed to get rats everywhere we went. We lived in three different properties over that two and a half years. And admittedly, one of them was a house and one of them was a flat on the ground floor. But one of them in Finsbury Park, we were actually on like the third or fourth floor. We were at the top of the, of the building and we still managed to get rats. They, would have, they must have come up through these three properties beneath us that were filled with nice suburban families who probably didn't have rats. And the rats were coming up going, no, trust me, lads, it's going to be worth it. We we lived yeah we we went through a phase where we didn't even bother washing up we started buying paper plates but Ross would still put the paper plates in the sink <laughs> rather than in the bin. Now is it how did he try? Is it true that he's thought of an ingenious way to try and get rid of the rat problem? I did once come home to find Ross in his pants wearing a pair of those um, like those glasses with the lights on them that DJs use. And with a with an air pistol in each hand, in the living room. Yeah. Nice. No, now, so you come. So that that yeah that 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 is true. I don't know how. I don't know if part of that was him building his own mythology. I don't know if he heard me coming up the stairs and thought, right, it's time to turn out the lights, put on the DJ glasses, and get into big pants. You know. Yeah, no, he's building the legend. Now, you're coming out for the yeah. Just for Laughs Festival. You've also done Just for Laughs in Canada. So what do you love about mm. the festival? Like, you obviously travel the world for festivals. What do you love about the whole festival scene? Well, do you know what I love about the Just for Laughs one in Montreal is that it's the most uh, it's the most in, industrial one. It's the one that really feels like you're, you're not so much at a comedy festival, you're at a comedy conference. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. everybody's staying in the one hotel... And the whole thing is geared very towards the TV industry and stuff like that. So it actually feels the, it more like... And this is the very thing that most people hate about it. It feels more like a, a festival that really takes the, 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 the industry of comedy incredibly seriously. So it, it, uh, there's something about that that I quite, uh, I quite like, in that it's not... Other, other festivals like Melbourne and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and Auckland and like are, far, are far more relaxed and people that, you know, are, are enjoying themselves and you're there for the audience. Whereas the, the, just for laughs in Montreal, you're, it's, it's, it's all about the industry and people are, have this level of, of, uh, of excitement and, and hype and buzz that's really, really interesting, you know. And it feels like, as I say, it feels like you could be you could be in the auto industry or, or the construction industry or anything like that, you know. Everybody's standing around in a in a hotel meeting room going, hey, have you heard about that new comedy delivery system the Japanese are working on? You know what I mean? So I actually find that really quite fun. 
Yeah, do you think it's sort of like a bit like a, the high school reunion too? Because obviously, like you, you're going to be performing with comics like on the scene. You don't see each other every day. Like you don't clock on and see everyone. You sort of may rock up once a year and sort of see you know you see everyone mm. at the festival. Yeah, there's festivals are great like that. And the, I remember particularly early on, it, just really feeling like there was this massive festival scene where there were people who I who I would see and only see at festivals. But I was going through a phase there where I was touring so much that I, w- I would see more of them than I saw you of my own family. So I'd be hanging out with people like Phil Nickel, you know, from, and, and, and Corky and the Juice Pigs and Rich Hall uh, and playing pool with them. And I realized, geez, lads, we've played pool now on like three different continents in the last four months, you know. You'd see them in, in, in Montreal and you'd see them in Edinburgh and you'd see them in uh, Australia and you'd see them in New Zealand, you know. And that's, that's quite cool because you, you 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 become this traveling band, this festival village that just seems to move around the world. Yeah. Now you mentioned mentioned New Zealand. You're a bit of a fan of New Zealand. I have to admit, which maybe probably doesn't go down that well in Australia, but I am. I I, I am. I was a big fan of Australia more when I was a single man, <laughs> and as a younger single man, where it was all just about uh, going and getting drunk and uh, and hanging out and partying. And then, as I grew up, uh, and, you know, and 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 took my missus out with me. Indeed, I got engaged in New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand became more the thing. I go and do a bit of hill walking there and stuff. Not live the Hobbit dream. Do, do you not find that I I visited and found it like it was like a, a part of Ireland that you just hadn't seen yet, just a little bit bigger. The North Island is a bit like that. It's very like Scotland, a lot of us, particularly. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes you do think, I really have come a terribly long way to see somebody that looks a lot like Scotland. <laughs> but in fairness, Scotland is probably my favorite place on the planet. Now, you're into hill walk. You are, as mentioned, hill walking. You got any plans? Like, yeah. You're looking at the itinerary, are you in Australia long, this trip? No, I'm really just there for a few days. Especially now that we've had a second kid, I, just, I can't get away for very long. And it's it's a tantalizingly brief trip I'm going to Australia on this time. Uh, I have a, you know, I'm right in the middle of work. I have a, like a, a corporate gig the night before I come out to Oz. And then the day I get back, I have to do a TV show here. So it's really just squeezed in. So you for your first kid, you named him after, uh, was it a Seinfeld character, Cosmo? I didn't. Na- I did name him Cosmo. I didn't name him after Cosmo Kramer, though. Oh, okay. Uh, Damn so Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia's got it wrong. Does Wikipedia say I named him after Cosmo Kramer? Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> you're a massive Seinfeld fan, and you named your first child after Cosmo Kramer. <laughs> I, that's one of those things where I don't even know if I should bother correcting that. Shall I just let that be the thing people think? Actually, do you know? And I'm not saying he was named after him, but. Cosmo was actually the name of the character in uh, Singing in the Rain, who sings uh, Make Him Laugh, oh, okay. the classic song and dance routine. Make him laugh, make him laugh. That character's name is Cosmo. Oh, so I'm guessing there's no truth. So I'd rather people think that I named him after him. Uh, we have a so scoop. There's no truth to the rumor that you named your second child Newman? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Second child is called Magnus. 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 Oh, like nice. Magnus yeah. Magnuson. Started so Mag- yeah. Exactly. Technically, he'd be Magnus Edwardson. <laughs> Magnus Edwardson. 
if you use using if you're using the Icelandic uh, system of naming. Ah, oh, no, fair enough, fair enough. Now, when you um, you've been out to Australia like numerous times. Um, any plans? I'm obviously in for the flying visit. Any plans next year, maybe for any of the festivals? No, I think, in in all fairness, it won't be until the the kids are old enough that they can survive or I can survive a plane journey with them. Uh-huh. You know, until they're old enough that they can read books or watch films. All right, so we'll see and in 15 years then. I'm, well, I'm hoping it won't be that long. I'm hoping it'll be, you know, a couple of, a couple more years. You know, we, we won't, when the old one's maybe four, you know, you that's old enough that he can, you know, he can be engaged by things. When you're on the plane the next time out here, just have a look at the parents and see the fun they're having in the seats and uh, you might change your mind. Yeah, well, I did. We I, we we took the the eldest one last, in January. We did, I I nipped out to New Zealand for a couple of weeks, uh, just to do two gigs, and then take a little holiday. And uh, and that was a chore. That was that that made me think twice. And I used to think when I was on a plane and I'd see people with kids on planes, I used to think those kids were spoiled rotten the way the ki- the way the parents treated them. I go, geez, that kid's going to grow up to be Piers Morgan or Jeremy Clarkson or some horrible, <laughs> badly adjusted, somebody with, with an overly strong sense of entitlement. That What a spoiled little bastard that kid is. But it's only until you're actually on a plane, trapped, surrounded by strangers who are all looking at your kid with hatred, that you realise you will do anything to keep a child quiet on a plane, yeah. including pretending to fly. <laughs> Which is weird. <laughs> that's the weirdest thing is holding a baby up and going with it when you're actually on a plane. That feels stupid. No, not a problem. Well, that's congratulations on the second child, and we're looking forward to seeing you out. Now you're out here for just for laughs. You'll be appearing in Sydney, Melbourne. Tickets are on sale. Um, you have you seen? Looking forward to the Opera House. Yeah, I think the idea of getting to play in a massive, you know icon an internationally renowned icon I think that's uh, that's pretty cool I, I, I'll finally have done done both because I've climbed the Sydney Harbour Bridge I've done that twice in oh. fact done the bridge climb yeah so because you can actually if Billy Connolly is one of the few communities you can climb to the top of the Opera House too should be in the rider I I'd love to be able to do that I, I, it's not it's not a thing that's open to tourists though is it no 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 Billy got he said he was. I think if you rock up with a camera and tell them who you are, maybe they might let you up there. Mm, I've got a feeling there's a lot more to it than that. Probably too. I think you've also got to be Billy Connolly. <laughs> I will pack my false beard and give it a go. False beard. <laughs> and my platform shoes. <laughs> and your platform shoes and and your trike motorbike as well. Yeah, yeah. No, that that would be that would be awesome to be able to do that. But no, but getting to play the Sydney Opera House is. Uh, I've been quite jealous of people in the past. I remember like just talking to Dave Gorman and him going, "Yeah, I'm going to, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to Sydney Opera House." And go, what? <laughs> what? 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 Um, it's you know, it's it's not every day you get to play a venue that is that. I don't think there is a venue in the world that's as internationally you know sort of recognisable as Sydney Opera House. I mean, you can't really play the Eiffel Tower, can you? You know. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, you could probably do some interpretive dance, you know, in in the elevator on the way up. Tower Bridge. These are, none of these none of these venues are particularly you know well suited to to the gigs. <laughs> no, <laughs> not as intimate. Yeah, no, not a problem. 
Well, Ed, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being a part of Comedy on Edge, the podcast. Um, yeah, looking forward to seeing you out here end of October, Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, I look forward to it. It should be a laugh. It should be a hoot. Either that or we're thinking something so monumentally stupid, you don't want to know. You'll lose respect for us. You don't want to turn to the man you might have chosen to spend the rest of your life with and go, what are you thinking about? Do you really want to know? Yeah. What's going on inside that old head of yours? I was just imagining I was a spy. <laughs> you asked. I was just thinking what a great spot that would be over there for a covert drop-off of top-secret documents. <laughs> very good sight lines, very little chance of an ambush. <laughs> Need to think about these things. When you're the raven. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ed Byrne. He's in Australia for the Just For Last Festival, appearing at the Sydney Opera House and in Melbourne at the Athenaeum end of October. Check out the Just For Last website, check out the Athenaeum website, and check out Ed Byrne. For more information, please visit comedyonedge.com. And if you want to find me on Twitter, I am at M underscore W underscore OH. Thank you for tuning in. See you later.